Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is Spider-Ben 4, and with me is... Vulture's Prune Juice Dealer, Andrew, everyone. A pleasure. Indeed. I'm ready to make this go smoothly, to, you know, <laughs> go in and out very easily. <laughs> yes. Without any Just stoppage. Go through the system, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, that prune juice works really well. We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see. It depends on who's playing him. So, yes. Uh, as you can see from the title, we are covering the Unmade Spider-Man 4. We have gotten requests from this in the past. And uh, this is one of those where, unfortunately, there is not a script or a real script, I should say, that has leaked out there. So this is kind of an overview of everything we have, which is mostly concept art, which is the theme that we've been having for the past three weeks. It's almost as if I've been leading up to this. For the past ten, my master plan. (laughs) So, (laughs) let's talk about Spider-Man Four, the unmade Spider-Man Four, because we kind of know it as like the Spider-Man trilogy, but it was not supposed to just be three. It was supposed to actually continue on with Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker and with Sam Raimi behind the camera again as uh, the director. And basically, one of the things that was the beginning of this was the fact that Raimi was not happy with what, how basically how Spider-Man 3 turned out, kind of like what we talked about last week. Right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he just felt that uh, he disappointed the fans, and he really wanted to make Spider-Man 4 kind of his redemption. He wanted Spider-Man 4 to actually be the best out of the four. Okay. So there's a lot of pressure there, as you can imagine. Uh, and with a lot of pressure comes uh, multiple <laughs> screenwriters and screenplays. So let's talk about the writers who were reportedly... Uh, you know, in the works for this. So Variety first mentioned that David Kep, who wrote the first movie, was in talks for Spider-Man 4. But the person who got hired was actually not David Kep, but James Vanderbilt, uh, who's pictured here. Uh, James Vanderbilt is known for having written Zodiac for David Fincher. Uh, and he would go on to write The Amazing Spider-Man, which is why you see that poster behind him. Okay. So clearly Sony really liked Vanderbilt. Just like, hey, the good one. Yeah. Out of those two. So uh, May 2011 was the intended date, and supposedly they had in mind that Vanderbilt would not write just four, but also five and six. 
a whole That's new crazy. trilogy. A whole yeah. new trilogy. It's just <laughs> nuts. <laughs> and again, this is 2011. It's not like uh, you know how we sort of know the MCU now of like planning five movies in advance type of thing. Like this is still relatively new at this point in time. But this is what we had. So that was the possibility. Uh, but Vanderbilt was not the only one hired. Uh, later on, they hired writer David Lindsay Abair. Um, and there are a bunch of fake Spider-Man 4 scripts and treatments out there. One of them is credited to David Lindsay Abair to the point where he had to contact a fan site to clarify things, saying, uh, I wouldn't normally respond to an article like this, but things can linger on the internet for years, and basically debunked the fact that uh, the, script, the script that was out there was his saying that... Uh, uh, so I'd like to think they were based on a script that I actually wrote instead of some fan fiction that someone tackled my name onto. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the script in question is not, in fact, by David Lindsay Barrett, but he said, for what it's worth, my script was 122 pages and featured Craven as the villain. So Man, Craven, I'm not super into Craven, are you? No, which is why we don't really give a shit about this upcoming movie that got delayed with Dude, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I'll probably see it unless it like is like under 30 on Rotten Tomatoes, under mm-hmm. 30%, but yeah, it's just like I don't I don't care. It's like him and the Shocker and a couple other villains from Spider-Man, I just don't give one fuck about. I the best story is Craven's Last Kill. That's what and, I've heard, yeah. And that one can't be like the start of it because like it's it's basically craven's last stand against spider-man so you would like need setup in the first place for them to have that dynamic for craven's last stand to even work i'm to the point now craven's where it's just hunt. like we even fuck fuck the setup if that's your best story mm-hmm. no one's got any better ideas just mm-hmm. jump into it man people are going to be a little lost but yeah. at this point i don't know i think it's yeah. fine Sorry, it's Craven's Last Hunt, not Last Stand. I was getting that mixed up with X Men's Last Stand, but yeah. But wouldn't last that be hunt. a cool? Wouldn't that be a cool move though? Is like that if they just base it directly on his best run ever, and yeah. they're like, "Fuck it, we're not even going to care if you know you don't if you know the setup or not." Uh, I don't know. I think that could be a cool move if they did that. But anyway, this guy has like rhino feet or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking in terms of his boots, or you're looking at the oh, those are his boots. Chair. Well, he's got he's got boots, and then he's got a chair. Oh yeah, also has like paw legs. Okay, I was confused there for a moment. All right, okay, yeah, that's that's his throne. But yeah, Craven the Hunter was apparently in that script, and uh, that script was also then rewritten later on. So, uh, screenwriter Gary Ross was then brought on, uh, and it's possible that it's his script that then led into what Spider-Man Four is known for. But then Empire Online reported that Alvin Sargent who had worked on Spider-Man 2 and 3, was doing polishing on the scripts as well. Uh, Sergeant was also go on to work on the first Amazing Spider-Man, uh, along with James Vanderbilt. So it's kind of funny how two of the people reported for Spider-Man 4 go on to write the reboot. But it makes right. sense. Uh, so I don't know which script they're basing this off of. It's possible it's the Gary Ross one with rewrites by Alvin Sargent, uh, and maybe like Vanderbilt and uh, David Lindsay Bear would get like a story by credit or something with whatever ideas came in. But that's kind of just the general history of the different screenwriters brought in for this. And again, right. we don't have a script, so we don't know right now. Uh, a lot of story details outside of what's been basically reported by legit people who were part of this. Mm-hmm. But most famously, the main villain of this was not actually Craven the, whole, the, the Hunter. It was the Vulture. 
and it was going to be John Malkovich who was cast. God, so, I think I remember hearing about this. It's yeah. actually pretty cool casting. I and think so this too. got this guy is known for doing just real artsy stuff, but you know, my man probably wanted a payday. So <laughs> I get I, I get it. Right. Uh so yeah, this honestly would have been awesome. No offense to Keaton, like he cares, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, fucking sweet casting. Yeah. So this is you know, and this is a character that Raimi wanted to work with beforehand. The Vulture was part of Spider-Man Three before being cut. Uh, not like they needed more villains, but they, <laughs> they originally wanted Vulture uh, instead of Venom, and Raimi got talked into using Venom. So here, Raimi is making up for that by making the Vulture the main villain. For Spider-Man 4. So John Malkovich is the vulture. I've talked a lot of shit about Spider-Man villains, but I do think this is this was a good one to do. Mm-hmm. He, the vulture caught my imagination when I was a kid from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of those. Uh, I would, yeah, I prefer the vulture over Rhino. Even. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, he's a he's a pretty cool villain. Mm-hmm. Not for sure. So like this was this was a good choice, and yeah. with that we have some. Small, like, character details that were given to us um, by a storyboard artist named Jeffrey Henderson. Uh, Henderson uh, was interviewed for the book Great Power, How Spider-Man Conquered Hollywood During the Golden Age of Blockbusters. (laughs) And and during that, he brought up that the Vulture was, quote-unquote, a government contractor who did all manner of dirty jobs on their behalf. He didn't leave anything but bones behind. So. This dude's like some sort of assassin guy or something like that, but he's it's it looks like hey like you know how in Spider-Man at least like in the in the original trilogy even like each one of the villains except for maybe Venom was like you know kind of a good guy inside if it weren't for like something else fucking him up you know yeah. you've got Norman he's got the alternate personality Octavius kind of having a similar thing with the inhibitor chip Sandman just wants to you know protect his daughter. Harry just wants, you know, his friends back, like all those aspects. It looks like Vulture was just going to be flat out fucking evil. This guy was just going to be bad news. Um, And to the point where he uh, basically says we'd have seen him beat Spider-Man to the point of near death, making him fiercer than both the Green Goblin and Doc Ock. That's true. He never got like totally to the brink of death in the other movies, did he? Right. Yeah. Maybe close to it towards the end of Spider-Man 3 because he's fighting like, you know, two villains and needed Harry's help, but right. uh, this this would have been something else. Okay. Uh, so we actually have kind of a look at Malkovich's or what his vulture could have looked like. He was not fitted into a costume as far as I know, but there are sculpts of him as the vulture done here. Oh, um, sick. Yeah. So This is cool. This is from, this is sculpted by, uh, and you can correct me on the pronunciation of this, uh, Hiroshi Katagiri. Katagiri, uh, yeah, Katagiri yeah. is pretty much, you said it right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, according to the sculptor here, the idea, especially for this first image, is that when Spider-Man sees Vulture, he just sees a guy in a coat. And as he goes closer, the coat starts to move. And he realizes that they're actually mechanical wings. Uh, so I'm like, that's pretty sweet. Uh, this so is that's, cool. That's kind of the original image. And then the wings were described as being there to like dodge enemy attacks. And here's another thing. They built the wings. Oh, so here are the wings. Whoa. Here are the vulture wings for this. Um, what shop is this? Does it say? Um, let me take a look at what Dan sent to me on this one. If anybody knows okay. out there, 
Uh, While you do that, I'll talk about the previous picture. So inside Mm -hmm. baseball on that, they normally wouldn't uh, like sculpt this whole thing. I think this, what this looks like to me, like with the body and everything all at once, this is definitely like concept design made Mm -hmm. 3D just to kind of wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think by the time they get to the point where they're making the wings and stuff, because we, we, we miss some uh, steps in between these pictures here, which is fine, sure. but, uh, they would have separated all of that, all the pieces of armor. Um, the wing might've been like left and right wing might've been like one piece each, but, mm-hmm. um, like this pose and everything and all that, like this is generally not like how they're. They sculpt it from what I've seen. It's, it's more like, uh, yeah, it's just so they can. It's like a, it's like concept art. They, this yeah. is a concept art run. It's like an early see what stage. It looks like. Yeah, mm-hmm. they want to see what this looks like 3D, which is really cool that they did that. I didn't know, dude. This I had seen some of the stuff from the other episodes that we did on one through mm-hmm. three. I have never seen this. This is really cool. Yeah, and I anticipate this will probably be our most popular out of the four episodes, just given the yeah. unmade nature of of, of this. Yeah. Uh, so looking at these, uh, what Dan sent me, he basically sent me these pictures from this workshop, and this comes, the source of this is from a user on Twitter named Ken Penders, who said, quote, before Toby and Sam were bid adieu by Sony, uh, work actually had begun on Spider-Man 4, and I visited friends who were working on the Vulture's costume intended for actor John Malkovich. Uh, once production shut down, all materials were turned in. I've sat on this for almost 15 years. Uh, so That's awesome. This it's not specified which workshop, but clearly some workshop. Uh, and this was posted as late as twenty. This is from November twenty twenty two, is when he posted this. Not not the picture itself, but he he shared it out in twenty twenty two. He's been sitting on it since before that. This is so cool, dude. I yeah. am into it. So this is awesome. Uh, the vulture character, of course, you know, again, I think is is a great choice, and it would have been really interesting to see like the Sam Raimi version of that. I anticipate something that would look a little closer to the comics than the Michael Keaton version. Yeah, uh, because Keaton one's kind of like very tactical and stuff. He's got yeah. the, you know, the helmet and everything, but like here, going the old school comic route with Malkovich's bald head. <laughs> Maybe with yeah, that uh, goatee and stuff, and just looking fucking evil as he's flying around New York and being the shit out of Toby Spider Man, like some evil really old cool. man, mm-hmm. <laughs> old white dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is really cool, and also from Henderson, uh, who was the one who gave this information about stuff. We have storyboards of the confrontation with uh, with the Vulture here, so. Uh, we got Spider-Man uh, web-slinging and then him punching Vulture on the bottom here. Yeah, that's cool. Moving that's forward, awesome. we got more of the the fight between the two of them. Uh, Vulture sort of using his wings to swing at Spider-Man, missing but chopping a gargoyle in half, it looks like, uh, on the bottom left. Uh, and to then, show the power. Yeah, yeah, so those things are deadly. Uh, and then Spider-Man trying to web-sling that bit of gargoyle towards uh, the vulture. Um, <laughs> and in the meantime, there's like a, the helicopter coming after him and, and firing at them. I don't know who. That might just be the uh, you know New York Police Department, since Captain Stacy is set up in Spider-Man 3 with James Cromwell. Probably so, is, most likely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Spider-Man on top of the gargoyle. We can see the back of the vulture, his wings. Another look at that, um, as well as the talons. 
look like gloves he's got. So I like kind of seeing what would be out of frame. They kind mm-hmm. of drew a little bit extra, which is cool. Yeah, that too. Yeah, uh, a little bit more of the big fight. Um, Vulture looking really evil on the right with the blade. <laughs> Malkovich would have killed this role, dude. Oh, yeah. it would have been so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see a little bit more. Again, it's cool to see like the Vulture in flight with these storyboards. And again, it's like it's very comic booky. Uh, with the vulture, it's not the the realistic looking one from the homecoming one. Like it is his bald head sticking out of sticking out through the wings and stuff. So uh, I'm sure they would have kept true to the comic book aesthetic at least uh, in that in the same way that they did for uh, at least Doc Ock and uh, Sandman. Yeah, for sure. Uh, vulture flat out grabbing the helicopter. <laughs> it looks like and like swinging it into the the building so he might have had some sort of super strength or something in order to be able to do that because most people can't do that obviously i think so i mean he did the swipe at the gargoyle so i think there's some super strength involved here mm-hmm. yeah uh now this is interesting this is what looks like peter unmasked falling towards new york so I would presume what happens here, based off of what Henderson said, where Peter gets nearly beaten to death, is that Vulture unmasks Peter, then drops him from a great height to kill him. I have no idea how Peter's going to get out of this one. That would have been cool. It would have been an awesome scene. Mm -hmm. So that's what we kind of have in terms of what the one of the confrontations would have been. But Vulture was not, of course, the only Spider-Man villain who was going to be in this. So... Uh, at the same time, Anne Hathaway was announced as being cast for the role of Felicia Hardy, who, of course, is known in the comics as Black Cat. And, of course, this is years before Hathaway is Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So she's kind of destined to be a, uh, you know, cat burglar <laughs> in a comic book universe. So it yeah. is kind of funny how things turn out. I it, I feel like it's cosmic coincidence, too, because I really don't think Nolan is like, well, I don't think Nolan was necessarily paying attention to that at the time and thinking, well, if she's not Black Cat, then she'll be my Catwoman. No, he, he doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that that's what, how it happened. Uh, according to Movie Line, other actresses considered were Julia Stiles, Rachel McAdams, and Romola Garay, though Rachel McAdams denied it at the time, but it's one of those things where it could just be that, you know, there were no negotiations were being made and she didn't want to confirm anything. So could have gone either way, yeah. but it, it was definitely Hathaway who was given that. Um, and Sam Raimi commented years, you know, a couple years later after she was Catwoman saying like, oh yeah, she was my Felicia Hardy. So he more or less confirmed that. Here's where things get a little weird. Movie line announced, hey, like she's Felicia, but she's not the black cat. Uh, and it's not an origin thing. She has a different persona. So they said that Felicia Hardy would not be Black Cat, but would be a persona called the Vulturess because Felicia Hardy is the Vulture's daughter. I don't know how true this is, but I remember this okay. being announced, and I just thought, well, the connection to the Vulture's daughter, that seems good, but this Vulturess thing sounds pretty fucking stupid <laughs> because, like, why would you not do that? But we did end up seeing the Vulture's daughter in Spider-Man Homecoming. Right, I forgot about that. Uh I mean, yeah, that's it's kind of a bad sign when they start changing it up like that. Mm-hmm. Hardly ever works out. So, yeah, um, maybe you know uh, they knew to pull the plug on that one. Yeah. Um, so who knows on that one? It is possible that there's a draft where it is Felicia Hardy and she is Black Cat, but she's also still the Vulture's daughter. 
which you know could be oddly foreshadowing of what happened in Spider-Man Homecoming, where they also had the Vulture's daughter and merged it with an existing comic book character because everyone thought that the character of Liz in Homecoming was Liz Allen, who was kind of somebody Peter had a crush on in uh, in high school in the Spider-Man comics until it was revealed that uh, she was actually Liz Toombs, Adrian Toombs' daughter, and they never really said her last name was Allen. People just assumed because her name was Liz. So, uh, which was probably one of the best aspects of Homecoming was that twist when right. Keaton just opens the door and you're just like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Weren't there other, like, black cat characters? I remember, like, there was, like, other variants of, like, am I spacing out on this? I remember in the cartoon, her dad was the first black cat. Okay. So this idea of, like, oh, like, her dad's also a villain, was also a criminal, kind of plays a role in there. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, it's almost the exact, I mean, it's like the exact same thing as Catwoman, really, right? Yeah, so they, I think they were trying to find a way to, to make it different by, uh, you know, having it be her being, she's the daughter of an existing villain to at least make it a different dynamic. Yeah. Though, of course, now we have uh, Catwoman being Falcone's daughter, so that kind of just <laughs> continues with the cycle of, of people, different companies or different characters just riffing off of each other. Yeah. So uh, years later, there are interviews of Sam Raimi where he comments on casting Hathaway as Felicia Hardy, and he never actually says or refers to Hathaway playing Black Cat. He only refers to her as Felicia. So to me, kind of jury's still out on whether or not the Vulture S thing was true, but most likely, given how Raimi is for the most part on the comic book stuff, it was probably her as Black Cat, and the Vulture S stuff was bullshit. But... Let us know if we're wrong. If anyone out there happens to know, but it's unless kind of the they thought it was way so way too similar to Catwoman, and he was like, "Yeah, well, maybe we change her." I mean, may, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's just with Black Cat. There's obvi- an obvious sexual element to it, and I don't really see that carrying over to a character called the Vultureess. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Not I'm as hot. Like, uh... She's gonna be bald too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, they shave her head like it's fucking Les Miserables. <laughs> yeah. Um, have her in the wings. And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's just not, not going to work. Um, yeah. There's also the factor that Felicia Hardy is a love interest. You know, Black Cat is a love interest for Spider-Man, just like Catwoman is for Batman. And Peter is pretty solidly in a relationship with Mary Jane. It's been kind of the backbone of the, of the previous three movies. Henderson did hint that MJ was you know, kind of out of the picture in Peter's life at some point in the movie. So it could be a thing where, like, they broke up after the events of Spider-Man 3, and, you know, Felicia is kind of like an alternative love interest, but that doesn't necessarily mean that MJ is completely out of the movie itself, just that they're not in a relationship at a certain point, at least in the beginning of the movie. Who knows? Right. But uh, that was what was, that was pretty much what was hinted at. So with Vulture and Black Cat, it seems like we have, more than enough villains, especially after it seemed like they were overcrowding villains in the third movie. But there may have been more. And we'll cover them. Great. We'll cover them after the break. It's time for the September announcements, everyone. So, strap yourselves in. We have a few to uh, <laughs> let you guys know about. First one is, similar to what we've said before, we are starting to get closer to our goal for $300 a month. Thank you to you guys who have recently signed up, uh, but we're not quite there yet. So once again, 
join the Patreon, help us out, help us reach that goal of $300 per month. Once we reach that goal, we will celebrate on the main show by covering Superman Lives. I don't know how many drafts, but we'll see. <laughs> but I'll try to do my best uh, on that one. But that is the main part for that. Don't you want to see us cover Cage's Red Speedos for <laughs> seven hours or more? <laughs> if we get to 400, maybe we try to get a replica suit and put Andrew in it. But we really discuss that internally. <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> That would be like with not with just the speedos, but with the full suit. I've thought about mm-hmm. doing that because I <laughs> actually, you know what? Yeah, you if, we get up, <laughs> if we get up to five hundred a month, there we go. I'll get the suit, I'll get, <laughs> and we'll do a photo shoot. How Surely about there's that? somebody on Etsy? Yeah, somebody on Etsy who can like recreate this one. Five hundred a month—that's the goal. But the first is the three hundred a month to do the the coverage mm-hmm. of of the unmade movies. Yes, for sure. Uh, so, moving on to uh, Metal Force. Okay, everybody. So, the campaign is ongoing as of this recording, and uh, we need your help. We have crossed our initial goal of two grand, which is great, but actually, our full goal is a hundred grand. So, this is because it's a feature, it's a live action feature. Some people have been confused by the art. After I did it, they think it's animation. So, let me make that clear this is a live action feature. That was that is to be funded via Kickstarter, and it's basically uh, R-rated Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. It, the the elements of those basically. It's not a fan film in any sense, and it's not directly. Um, it's 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 got those influences uh, of the, of those elements from those shows uh, in its DNA. Let's put it that way, okay? So let me just spell that out for everybody. Uh, but yeah, if you want to go to kickstarter.com slash projects slash metal force slash metal force, that's two metal forces, uh, you'll get right to our page. The link is right there uh, in the video. And uh, yeah, uh, just trying to campaign this month and bring it on up. So that would be great. Please help support indie filmmaking. Hollywood has fucked us. You know, indie horror, indie tokusatsu, indie sci-fi, and a little bit of indie comedy. Uh, Indie filmmaking, everybody. So uh, if you could, that'd be great. Um, We're coming after Bat in the Sun. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, and Machinima, too. So Mm, uh, that's it. Yeah, and also MetalForce.Ninja. The Kickstarter link is on that page as well if you want. But the direct link to Kickstarter is right here. So yeah, let's bring it on up. And thanks to everybody. I've seen some of some of the people from the podcast have already donated. Uh, so that's awesome. And if we could just bring bring it up even more, that would be great. So uh, yeah, that's it for Metal Force. Sweet. All right. Other thing is our friends at Nuverse Creative have released the audio drama version of the Batman 89 comic, adapted and narrated by yours truly. Uh, So, this is a full-cast audio dramatization of the Batman 89 comic, written by Sam Hamm and art by Joe Quinones, that I adapted and I narrated it myself. But keep in mind, because people have been wondering about this, it is not a direct transcript of the comic. It stays faithful to the core story, uh, but I've added a few things, combined a few scenes, made a few changes to adapt it to the fact that this is a, you know, fan-made audio drama setting. So, there are some uh, Easter eggs that are not in the comic, but I put in the audio narration because it was appropriate for audio. 
and wouldn't have necessarily been as appropriate in a comic. So let me know if you catch them, either in the comment hmm. section here or in the comment section on YouTube. Part one has already been released, and as of this recording, part two may be released by the time this gets out. I'll have to find out, but that's what's up when it comes to uh, the audio drama stuff, and of course, there will be uh, a couple more uh, on the way that uh, I adapt, maybe not necessarily narrate, but uh, I adapted, and uh, you'll just have to find out when uh, we renounce those. Tell them how long it is, Ben. Uh, each one is about 20 minutes. Okay, so you guys can do it on your commute very mm -hmm. easily. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Yep. So, uh, thank you for that, and thank you to anybody else who has already listened and uh, left comments on that. Lastly, uh, our charity for this month is a big one personally for me because September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month. For those who don't know, I'm a survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so this is a cause obviously personal to me. If I did not survive the cancer, I would not be on this show. So, uh, you can donate anything that you can to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society at www.lls.org. Uh, that's to help, you know, fund cancer research to help cure blood cancers like leukemia, like lymphoma, for those who, uh, you know, were not as fortunate as I was. Uh, so for those who are currently going through battles with cancer or similar chronic life-threatening illnesses, of course, uh, we all wish you, you know, the best in keeping you know, up the good fight. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, Ben has his story, and he's covered it before on the podcast. And uh, glad you beat it, Ben. And hopefully mm -hmm. we can support other people going through this. And, uh, yeah, just again, generally speaking, we can't just be loving hero shit all the time and not try to actually help people. Yes. <laughs> you know, where this is... We thought of this idea as a way uh, to uh, put our money where our mouth is kind of kind of thing. So, so yeah, please check out the link uh, in the description and uh, donate if you can. So, that's awesome. And also, Ben, actually, another question. Uh, sure. The, does, like, donating blood help this at all, or, or is that... You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I think it's, it's a case where people who... Uh, like many blood transfusions could use it. Uh, I was not someone who needed it, so okay. uh, I, I, I'm not aware of that, but that's that's because that was my specific case. Other people might have stuff that was more severe that require uh, blood transfusions, in which case donating blood could help, but uh, I, I personally don't know. Okay, and last thing I'll say is my grandfather, my father's side, did die of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he was 34, uh, oh, so yeah, I never got to meet him. I'm mm -hmm. older than he ever got to be. Mm -hmm. He did not ever get a cough checked out for two years, apparently. And, uh, because he was too poor, didn't have any health insurance and died very early on. And my, you know, I grew up with my dad, of course, you know, as he, sh it's one of those things you shouldn't get over, but you know, my dad was never over that. Sure. And uh, used to hear about that kind of stuff all the time. So, um, yeah, you know, cancer fucking sucks, dude. As you as you know more than me, Ben. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, please support. Look at the link and uh, lls.org. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. 
It's about Japanese to English translation. In this first season, it will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're gonna be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well. And we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, a.k.a. EGM. So stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast. It's already out now, y'all. I wanted to tell you about the Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. And on that, you get the $1 tier. Uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout out on the board and either visually or orally or both at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral uh, for the most part uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And um, the uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm -hmm. bucks. And uh, there's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above plus a... Uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly and it's like a Zoom-like call and we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm -hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com, and on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains, and all the rest artwork by Stefan Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm -hmm. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf Lives is my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also ThunderwolfDrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place. And that's it, Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at SuperHousePod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even, I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in so you can check that out on our instagram superhero stuff pod uh tiktok superhero stuff pod vero superhero stuff pod my website is benwanwriter.com where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts including gotham vampire elementary the death of sherlock holmes and curb your enthusiasm disneyland if you're fans of any of those shows check them out and let us know what you think my YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the 8th Doctor, meeting Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is BenWanRider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, 
then you can get the whisker box the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent and you can even check out another page on that website superherostuffpod.com slash show notes that includes uh various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines talking about dogs y'all as you might have heard Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Why do you smell like shit? We're back for, for I was about to say September, for Spider-Man 4. We are back in <laughs> September, but Spider-Man 4. <laughs> Still kicking uh, it, y'all. <laughs> uh, so we're going to cover what I hinted at before the break, which is that there could have been other villains who showed up in this, but not quite in like a Spider-Man 3 overcrowded way. How many villains they got? So this is coming from Henderson, who did the... Um, who did the storyboards on this saying, quote, we were going to open the movie with this montage of all the villains we knew that Sam would never be able to use in Spider-Man movies because Peter, now that MJ has gone, there's that hint, uh, he has finally made peace and he loves being Spider-Man. He's actually enjoying it. So first okay. off, that's kind of a cool aspect, right? Because if you think back to how much Toby had to go through a lot of the times, you it seemed like being Spider-Man kind of sucked. Uh, so uh, to actually see him have fun with himself is cool. But the other idea was something that is popular, I'm, I think, in a lot of fan circles for, like, what do you do with these, like, C and D list villains? Because they're not really, like, you know, not interesting enough for them to be the main villain in these movies. So the idea was, like, <laughs> to do a James Bond type of thing and have them be the opening, like, the opening villains or have, like, little small roles. So it sounds like that's what they had in mind. Uh, one of those may have been Electro. So what we have okay. here comes from uh, Kelly Yates, and it says Spider-Man 4 movie designs uh, on the bottom right. Whoa. Uh, so it says Electro is all energy. Uh, it says a conductor spine slash skeleton helps contain Electro's energy in one place. Uh, costume is a modernized electric lineman work suit, and he can fire electricity from his hands, of course. Um some of this also kind of looks to me a little bit like it could be for an action figure, but... Yeah, it's pretty cartoony. Yeah. I gotta say, Electro, strangely better than the Shocker. I really just don't like the Shocker. Well, <laughs> this may have been uh, a little redundant, because Henderson did mention the Shocker as <laughs> being oh, someone else showed up. Maybe, maybe it's one where it's the Shocker and Electro, and they criticize each other for stealing each other's games or something. <laughs> I do electricity too. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. I'm not a huge fan of that guy. Drawing it must be hell too with the cross stitching or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, drawing is drawing is fucking sucks. I'm sure. Uh, so the shocker was mentioned. Henderson also mentioned Stilt Man, who's on the who's on the left. He's a giant, <laughs> giant stilts. I don't know, man. There should you know what Marvel needs to do a Brave and the Bold thing with all their stupid villains. 
and do like a 60s revival thing like they did with <laughs> Batman on DC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be a, kind of an awesome idea. That would be, yeah. Super silly Disney Plus content. Come on, dude. So, Stiltman, Shocker, and then Henderson also mentioned Mysterio and their storyboards of Spider-Man bringing Mysterio in. You can see Mysterio's potbelly on the top, uh, top I forgot right. he was kind of fat. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, I guess we're kind of, it's been colored now by Jake Gyllenhaal, who's obviously, you know, in shape. <laughs> seen him lately in Roadhouse, the upcoming Roadhouse remake. What? But even before, yeah, I have, I've, I didn't even know that was movie was being made. What? They're doing it's a Roadhouse remake, but it's like he's a UFC fighter. Full so disclosure, dude, I've never seen Roadhouse, bro. I mean, I haven't seen it either. So, internet, come after us if you will, <laughs> if you will. I don't know. I just, I, I missed that one. I, I give you another one, internet. I've never seen the Warriors. So there it is. I haven't either. So there it is. Come everyone. after us. Yeah. Uh, so Mysterio is unmasked as Quentin Beck, and it looks like it was supposed to be Bruce Campbell as Mysterio, continuing yeah, the tradition so... of, of Campbell's cameos. Not bad. That's cool. I did, like, I took a shit on Spidey, Holland, Holland Spider 2, but I did like Mysterio. I liked Gyllenhaal as him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the ending was cool. The ending was kind of cool in that movie. Um, I did. I, I liked. I thought Mysterio. Mysterio was another one that caught my imagination as a kid. Yeah. From again the cartoon. Most like ninety nine percent of Spider Man for me, an elder millennial. Like my introduction was that Spider Man cartoon. Yeah. Like Same all here. that. All that shit. Mm-hmm. I've I've never gone back and rewatched it. I probably should. But I've yeah. Watched parts of it. Yeah. Mysterio was cool. We always thought it was cool, even though it had a big bowl for a head. But that made him kind of cool, you know. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's a what do you call it? Like a the uh, the magician's crystal ball, but as a head. Yeah. So that's kind of cool, and I'm, I'm glad they finally made that movie. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Campbell being in this role has kind of brought into question whether or not it was going to be a thing where like it's been Mysterio this whole time because Campbell plays three different characters in the previous movies. He's the guy who gives him the Spider-Man name in the first one. He's the, he's the quote unquote snooty usher who doesn't let Peter go to the theater uh, when MJ's play is going on. And he's the, you know, maitre d', uh, uh, French maitre d', uh, the night that (laughs) Peter's trying to uh, propose to MJ. So I think there's a theory that this is actually, it was like Quentin Beck fucking with him the whole time. But then I'm like, well, that doesn't really explain how he would know that was Peter and how he was around doing that before Peter was even Spider-Man. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's easier to just be like, oh, this is just Bruce Campbell's cameo for this movie. And he's right. playing different characters right. in each right. one. And you just accept this because this is pre, you know, everything is has to be canon. And, you know, if, if somebody is recast, does this mean that there's a variant in another multiverse? Like, no, it's just fucking Hollywood. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah. actors like to be cast across different roles, different movies. That's all it is, man. People overthink this stuff, especially with the multiverse now. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, they kind of ruined certain aspects, I think. That's true. So. Well... I think I think we'll have our fun with the multiverse, and eventually, things that we'll just get it'll get old. People get tired of it. We'll move on. Yeah, yeah. If not yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <So>, right. <laughs> this is yeah. This is this is cool. So these are that. This is how we could have gotten um, potentially Electro, but definitely mentioned were Stiltman, Shocker, and Mysterio. So three other villains in the beginning, but not done in a way where it's just like really overcrowded story. It's just kind of there as a montage of like the crime that Spider-Man is catching in the beginning where he's finally embracing the fact that he can have fun as Spider-Man here. So 
uh, pretty cool in terms of it's the all, ideas. It would have been fun. It would have been very fun intro. Mm-hmm. For sure. Moving forward, we have a few other storyboards. In the top one, it looks like Spider-Man going after two cars worth of criminals or firing at him. Then on the bottom, there's another one of Peter looking at something with shock as a woman is going up on the elevator behind him. Whether or not that's MJ or Felicia or the Vulture-S, we have no idea yet. Vulture-S. We have this storyboard of uh, a woman screaming uh, as she's watching something, which the context will be a little clearer when I show you something else later on. Okay. Um, But uh, we have this shot. which She's looking at the Vulture's balls flying, (laughs) flopping in the wind. (laughs) So seeing how that that prune juice has really rejuvenated him. (laughs) I've combined it with Viagra and Cialis. <laughs> so uh, this shot tells me this is supposed to be Felicia Hardy. Uh, it doesn't look like MJ. Who else would uh, that be? Yeah, I know. And it kind of looks more like Angelina Jolie than like Anne Hathaway. But like, yeah, it is, that's true. It does look like this is supposed to be Felicia in a crowd looking over. Kind of reminds me of Bruce Campbell's cameo in Darkman, too, where he's looking back in the middle of the crowd. Could have been. Uh, Could have been. Uh, a, a shot. Homage. Shot of uh, Peter kissing somebody, most likely Felicia, I would think. And I'm going mainly by the dress, but it could also be MJ. Again, it's kind of hard to tell when they're they're drawings, and um, who knows. Another kissing scene out in public. uh, Spidey shirts. Yeah, the Spider-Man shirt. I just saw that, too. Uh, and then now this is what I found the most interesting. So under Henderson's site, uh, he has a whole section that says Spider-Man 4, and he has this concept art that says, at the top left, it says The Amazing Spider-Man, and talks about how the suit appears to be more convincingly homemade. I'm inclined to think that he worked on The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, and he kind of just roped it into the Spider-Man 4 stuff. I think that's the most likely explanation for that. Um, But it is listed under Spider-Man 4, in the site and the idea of Peter having a homemade suit or a new suit and not being able to afford repairs. Cause it says there are patches to repair damage. Peter can't afford to keep replacing the suit. Um, that mm-hmm. tells me, well, this may be the Andrew Garfield version. Uh, it also says Japanese Spidey eyes or Amida eyes. So dude, I saw that these eyes look kind of the same though. in both in each of these. Yeah. Um, so unless, one of these is I'm trying to I'm trying to determine maybe he's saying maybe they're playing around with Japanese spidey eyes in both of them and the Romita eyes are for the traditional look. Oh, right. Man, that's another idea, dude. Disney Plus needs to pump some money into a Japanese studio and film a TV show at least, six episodes in Tokyo, mm-hmm. reboot, homages, you know, Japanese Spider Man twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. I don't care what I'll fucking multiverse it's in. <laughs> Are you yeah. kidding me? Come on, dude. It's a, yeah. I, I swear they need me on their payroll, dude. I need to be giving them ideas. Like this, this I, I'm not, look, I'm, maybe a movie's too much because people be like, where does it fit in the multiverse or whatever? But TV show? Come on, dude. I would watch it immediately. Of course, because I'm me. first movie, you know? Like we already have yeah. the idea of like, oh, there's so many different like worlds. Like don't worry about it. Yeah. So just, what if there's multiple versions? I swear it would have to be Disney pumping money into a Japanese studio and have like a Japanese writer write it, mm-hmm. uh, Japanese act, like everything fully Japanese other than where the money's coming from. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, just go from there. And I th- man, it's just so, it'd be so perfect. I mean, look, 
half most of these kids are reading subs off of anime anyway. No one yeah. gives a shit about reading subtitles mm-hmm. anymore. So that too. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Disney Plus, IRS. Yeah, because it's, it's so. come on. This is <laughs> God. It's just like it's just right there. It's been staring us in the face for mm-hmm. a long time. But yeah, that's cool. This was considered for sure. Yeah. Uh, it says web pattern starts at the chest and emanates outward from the spider. And there's sort of a redesigned chest logo here. Uh, webbing lines are hodgepodge, podge due to line weight and thickness. Appears more authentically homemade. Uh, the color fades throughout after repeated watch, uh, washes. Suit should be red and black, like Ditko, as opposed to red and blue. Uh, okay. So like true to the original stuff. So again, like to me, I'm like, this seems like it's supposed to be for the Garfield movie, the a- Andrew Garfield movie, not the Garfield movie. Uh, <laughs> With Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray as the Amazing Spider-Man. So this one, oh, however, it does look like there was a plot that had to do with Peter's money problems. Because we do have these storyboards by Dave Lowry where Peter goes home to that apartment from Spider-Man 2 and 3 and gets what looks like an eviction notice. That, uh, the building is condemned and uh, ends up talking to... There's Ursula. There's the, there's the daughter of the landlord who gave him chocolate cake in the second movie. So she would have come back. Uh, he talks to her a little bit. Uh, there's the landlord, Mr. Ditkovich, in the back. And then Peter is now kicked out, as we see on the bottom. Uh, of man this. so one of my memories from like the first spider-man movie because there is some apartment mm-hmm. stuff in that too right yeah uh i remember thinking because dude i'm from alabama and georgia and i hadn't moved to a big city yet and i was like mm-hmm. all the of course i've seen apartments before but in movies and shit but i for some reason specifically in this movie i was like man what are apartments like that's wild <laughs> like i, I right. hadn't i hadn't I hadn't been to a goddamn apartment yet in my life. I think I probably went to one of my first time in my first time ever in my life in college. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, man, it was also I was like sheltered. a more realistic version because, like, so many movies, it's just like, oh, they're like in this penthouse type of thing, and you're just like, oh, right. like, it's you know, you can afford that on like a waiter's salary. Like, no, you fucking can't. That's just what that's just movie magic and stuff. Like, this is a, this is a real looking thing. So, yeah. Uh, it was more realistic version. Set your expectations a lot more realistically. I think that's true. It was I think it like hit me more realistically for some reason because mm-hmm. I mean the area where I'm from. I mean I mean Atlanta proper. There's apartments, of course, but that's mm-hmm. just like this is a different world, man. Like even within America, everybody is living so differently from one another. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So who knows? It could be that like. Peter has to go back to basics and redo the suit. But, again, I'm inclined to believe that 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 suit stuff was for the Andrew Garfield movie and that they would have just carried over the the Spider-Man suit from the other movies because why would he completely revamp the suit that he's he's had for a while? And he also made when he was, you know, a broke college graduate, I mean, a high school graduate in the movies. So... It, to me, that just makes more sense that's for the Andrew Garfield one. But again, since it's classified under Spider-Man 4 on the guy's official website, got to include it in. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a lot of cross-pollination have, there, probably. Yeah. I mean, especially with the you got the two other writers. You've got yeah, James yeah. Vanderbilt and Alvin Sargent. And given what we've seen, too, with um, especially with the Greg Berlanti Flash thing, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the ideas from these scripts somehow made it a little more into uh, the amazing Spider-Man movies. Looks uh, like his landlord is his landlord here is Greta Thunberg or some shit. 
this blonde. She looks like she's oh. blonde. She oh, would well, be blonde. Well, that's the daughter. Yeah, that's the landlord's oh. daughter. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess she kind of kind of looks like that, at least in, in terms of <laughs> in terms of the storyboards. <laughs> yeah, storyboards alone is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know a lot of people were hoping that the lizard would be the villain for Spider-Man Four because of the fact that Doctor Connors is set up. You know, he's mentioned in the first movie, and he's an actual character in two and three, and he studies the symbiote in the third movie. I'm not really sure why they decided not to do that, considering that it's been planted. My main guess is that Raimi probably thought it would be repetitive to do yet another science mentor of Peter's who turns evil. That's right. my guess. It feels right. repetitive to the first two movies. So he wanted something different, especially with the idea of it, it looks like this was a less sympathetic villain who was a lot more evil, uh, as opposed to somebody who would have that sympathy with the lizard. Uh, so it was a little, I mean, it's slightly disappointed, but it was a little weird to me that like, we're going to reboot Spider-Man this time. It's the lizard, but with, you know, with a Peter Parker and Connors, you've never met before. I'm like, well, it's kind of disappointing for those who were looking forward to that eventual transformation, but it, it was good that they wanted to start the reboot with somebody different as opposed to trying to do green goblin again in the very first one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we have one treat as well from a concept art standpoint. We have an animatic that's available uh, from the storyboards by Jeff Henderson of a major fight between the Vulture and uh, Peter Parker. So uh, apparently this was posted in June 2021 on Vimeo. Uh, it's, it's, it's the Spider-Man 4 uh, Vulture attacks Peter at Citicorp. Uh, and it says in the description, one of a half dozen animatics I produced for the ill-fated fourth Raimi Spider-Man, studio politics, creative differences, and bad internet reactions to John Malkovich as Vulture, which kind of surprises me because I don't remember any of those. I think it was, I think it was more people pissed that Vulture was the villain, not the casting of Malkovich as Vulture. But I could be wrong. Why would they be pissed at Vulture? I, I think because they all they wanted already... Lizard, they wanted Carnage, they wanted like they wanted other villains. I think based on okay, what, I, I saw I saw a video from Warping Fist who does something similar to us with covering concept art, and he had like a whole montage of all the all the hate comments, uh, being just like "fuck this" when they announced that it was Vulture. So like there were clearly re bad reactions to that. It's just these days I don't think um, it w it would have the same effect. You know, like these these days. For whatever reason, I think we're just embracing a lot more of the the comic aspects as opposed to trying to like pick and choose our favorites. I think they were ageist. And it could be that too. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, basically, studio politics, creative differences, bad internet reactions caused the plug to be pulled December of two thousand nine, early in the in the prep stage. However, one month later, Sony moved forward with Andrew Garfield's reboot. So. Uh, here is that video. So we're going to play it and we're going to describe what's going on for those who are uh, listening in uh, on their commutes. This is from David E. Duncan, who's doing the animatic version of the uh, storyboards. So we got Spider-Man landing. He's looking around, looking for Vulture, who swings in and grabs him by the throat as they fly off the building uh, over here. Uh, as we can see, this is this would have been really sweet with Malkovich. Look at those eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Stroking. Then he drops him. Spidey has to use his webs as like a parachute in order <laughs> to like thing? not die. Yeah. In order to not die because he's got nothing to swing onto. And right. it still makes it suck because he lands with shattering glass with people below, uh, below that skylight. And he's trying to pick himself up as the vulture's flying and is going to pick him off again. Well, by using his wings, slashing into him. 
Uh, so Peter's already fucked up here. He's got broken glass on his shoulders. Vulture's still thriving and, and flying around. The prune juice is kicking in. Spider-Man's <laughs> trying to web, web juice, web, web shoot on Vulture, but ends up getting clawed by Vulture, who rips part of Peter's mask off here. Peter turns around. Nobody there. No Vulture. He's still searching, trying to find it. Uh, it's interesting because, like, the Spidey sense you would think would help him out here, but maybe it's a thing where it's, he's too fast. So Vulture grabs him again, is, Jesus, just, like, dragging him through the glass at this point. Again, this is probably the part about him nearly killing Spider-Man here. Vulture's yelling at his face, uh, is beating him nearly to death. Uh... He just looks fucking crazy at this point. He's got a huge blade that he's using, and, and he's barely missing Peter's head at this point. Ends up stabbing him through the shoulder right here, and then with glee, he removes Peter's mask, figuring out his identity. And his facial expression changes to shock. Uh, so it could be that he already knows Peter as Adrian Toomes, uh, or it could be that he's just shocked that this is just a kid. But then he smiles with glee because it doesn't matter, and he's still going to kill this guy, and he <laughs> he puts his fist through the wound and primes his uh, blade ready. This is apparently uh, Felicia Hardy, maybe, who's yelling on the side through the window, or it could be MJ who's yelling at it, or whatever the case is. Uh, Peter kicks Adrian Toomes off him. Vulture falls and ends up getting stabbed by his own wing. Uh, through the side. Uh, he sees the blood uh, and is panicking, and he rolls himself off of the building uh, to the dismay of what I'm guessing is Felicia watching this happening, because otherwise why would they show that shot of MJ caring about Vulture flying? Um, so she's got her hands over her mouth as she sees him uh, fall, but he, the wings save him. He's flying, but he's still wounded from being stabbed by his own wings, and he flies off into the night hoping for another day, but starts crashing into the buildings due to his injuries. And uh, Spider-Man, in the meantime, is really fucked up at this point and uh, is trying to... I'm not sure what's going on here. It's like he shot something out of his web, uh, his webbing that went down. Uh, maybe it was his <laughs> way to try to save Vulture, but he's way too late. And meanwhile, uh, Vulture flies off into the night, but then it looks like crashes into the water. So... It could be that he succumbs to his wounds and Felicia is then set up as Black Cat for revenge or it could be that he just heals his wounds and fights him in another fight. I don't know. But that's a pretty fucking hardcore fight between the two of them. You've got both of them pretty messed up. That and was a Vulture really cool Peters. really cool storyboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, very, like you could really, too. yeah, you could really tell what was going on. Like yeah. it was very easy to follow. So... Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Now, I, I was surprised, too, of how good it was. Not because I had no faith, but I just thought, oh, it's probably just a sequence of them fighting in midair and then for like a minute, and that's it. I didn't realize like it was going to go that hard, <laughs> both in the story and of the violence. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, thanks, Dan, for finding that, because that's not something that I uh, had known about on my own. This is um, one of my first times seeing that all the way through. That was awesome. So, that's pretty cool. So the big question is, why did this not get made? You know, why, how come there was no Spider-Man 4? Um, so Raimi commented on this in a later interview, uh, stating that, um, hold on, let me pull it up. Uh, so basically stating that uh, it was really the most amical and undramatic of breakups, but it was simply that we had a deadline and I couldn't get the story to work on a level that I wanted it to work. I was very unhappy with Spider-Man 3 and I wanted Spider-Man 4 to end on a very high note, the best Spider-Man of them all, 
but I couldn't get the script together in time due to my own failings. And I'm guessing he was also unhappy with the, you know, the four or five different scripts that were coming in uh, at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, said, I said to Sony, I don't want to make a movie that is less than great, so I think we shouldn't make this picture. Go ahead with your reboot, which you've been planning anyway. <laughs> so that's kind of how it uh, ended up. And, um, you know, it's, it's a similar attitude that I have towards Ben Affleck's uh, The Batman, where I'm just like, if the guy's heart wasn't in it and didn't think the script was there, then maybe it's a good thing he walked away. Because, like, how often does that happen? It feels like the opposite happens way too much, where they're just like, yeah, we got to make the studio deadline and uh, let's just throw some shit against the wall. I mean, so it's got enough money at this point, too. Character. Yeah. Plus, it's weird to have four. I mean, I know they wanted, like, six but it's just the trilogy is such a common thing outside mm -hmm. of outside of uh you know universes yeah uh, cinematic universes but uh yeah it's cool it's interesting how open he was about about the third one that's mm -hmm. pretty cool yeah so uh that's it's a shame and uh maybe at some point the scripts will be released and we'll see like what they actually had in mind but uh, until then, this is the most that we can say or or really evaluate uh, based off of that. Uh, that said, there was one other element, which is that there was a video game in the works. Oh, sick. For Spider-Man 4. For the fourth one. For the fourth movie. And would have had Vulture in it as well. And uh, apparently people have played this. I looked it what? up online. Uh, there are YouTube videos saying, I played the canceled Spider-Man 4 game. So... That's something we'll just have to do for a Patreon preview. Oh, man. Because I don't That's have cool. any information on that yet. I, I found out about that like minutes before we started recording. I'm like, well, I know what we're covering <laughs> when we <laughs> do the preview stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Wow, I did not so, know that, that at all. Uh, yeah, I, I just found out about that, so I have no information on that other than the fact that it exists. There's a lot. Maybe we should, this should be an episode eventually, but there's a lot of canceled video games Mm -hmm. In the comic book world, like there was a, I think there was a canceled Flash one. There was a canceled Lobo one that mm -hmm. we're talking in the 90s, but it was like 99% made. You can find copies online. Uh, it, yeah, like there's a whole bunch of that. So maybe that's a future topic. Yeah, maybe. So let us know, guys, if you have anything else that we might have missed when it came to the uh, Spider Man 4, excuse me, the Spider Man 4 stuff. But um, any, uh, any final thoughts on what you've seen? Very cool. I didn't expect uh, it to be quite this cool, actually. Um, I don't know why. I guess because it was unmade. I thought it was going to be. I don't know. I don't know what, what my expectations were coming in, were going into this. But, uh, and a lot of it, well, actually, yeah, all of it I had never seen before. And, uh, yeah, to see the shop stuff and the sculptures and all that and the made mm -hmm. wings, I was kind of surprised just how far along this got. Uh, I didn't know uh, that it had this much going for it. So, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I really liked looking into a lot of this just because, like, I didn't... Like, I knew the general idea. Like, oh, okay, it's Vulture and potentially Black Cat or Felicia Hardy just in general. Um, but the I think the animatic was, like, the biggest thing, thanks to Dan, that, like, really, like, kind of blew my mind when looking at it with just... Uh, yeah what that could have been. Just the idea of uh, Malkovich and, and, and Tobey Maguire doing that scene together. Um, with Hathaway, like, screaming in the background, I guess. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it just seems like there's something epic about that. Right. Yeah, it was cool. So, Very cool. 
Until then, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan for gathering the visuals, uh, as well as that video, which we hadn't seen before. Uh, for yeah. This, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, Sparkageddon3186 uh, has uh, a comment saying, I don't know if you all got word, but Arlene Sorkin, the original and the greatest Harley Quinn, passed over the weekend, a major loss among WWE superstar Bray Wyatt. So I thought I would take some time to acknowledge this because, you know, we've had, unfortunately, a lot of losses in the, you know, Batman superhero um, community and pantheon over the last few years, especially, you know, Kevin Conroy, for example, um, Neil Adams, who both Andrew and I uh, kind of had our individual meetings with, but we didn't really have a set, um, you know, we didn't have a relationship or we didn't like know him outside of those uh, chance encounters. Um, I knew Arlene Sorkin for about a year uh, or so. So I wanted to uh, comment on this. Um, she was uh, you know, probably one of the sweetest uh, I've ever met. Uh, I was working in an internship at a production company and uh, I was, I've been asked to do say, these odd errands every now and then. And it was sometimes people who I had heard of, but like, it didn't really excite me to like, just go over to the house and like drop something off. So it's just like, whatever. But uh, when I was told, oh, you're going to go to Arlene Sorkin's house. That was like the most exciting thing for me because I knew who this <laughs> was. So I, I get there, I'm, I, I, I buzz in and I hear a voice that sounds very much like Harley come through and... I don't know if it was just cosmic coincidence or something, but for whatever reason, the uh, the buzz didn't work to allow me to get in. So she had to come out herself, nice, in order to uh, to do this, which is like which works for me. Uh, so I, I hand over what I'm supposed to deliver, but I also told I also told her, hey, like just just so you know, I don't want to leave without saying this, but like I grew up on Batman the animated series. I'm a huge fan of you as Harley Quinn, and she like immediately hugged me. <laughs> And said, like, oh, my God, you're my favorite person, she said. And she asked me to come in at this point, which I'm like, okay. Because like, I just thought I would drop it off. I would give her the compliment. I would take off. And then that would be it because, like, you don't want to, like, overstate your welcome. I'm just an intern at this point. But she took the time to have me come in um, into the kitchen and and talk a little bit about this. And um, I, I brought it because at the time, you know, I was mainly doing some on and off uh, stuff for Batman Online. And uh, I was like, I'd love to interview you more about um, the Harley Quinn experience. She said, sure. And um, kind of gave me her assistant's contact info, which could have been just her blowing me off. But it wasn't because we set up the interview and we did it over the phone. Uh, the article for that is still online. I don't know if I still have the recording of, uh, of the interview that we had. But I came over a second time, um, I think because I had asked her to autograph a few things. So one of them was the Mad Love uh, comic, which I have here. And uh, I brought over that and a couple other things for friends uh, for her to sign. And we have this here uh, in the visuals, uh, but uh, this is what she wrote. She said, to my friend Ben, best of everything, love and kisses, Arlene Sorkin, Harley, in quotes, and then it says, P.S., hi toots. Um, and then below <laughs> that is Paul Dini's signature from like a separate time. But like she... She signed that for me. I still had it. I was a little afraid that um, I didn't still have it anymore because, like, sometimes I, I drop this off at my parents' house in terms of different different uh, Batman memorabilia, but I do still have it. And um, once again, like, I was by her place because I was on the way to a pitch fest. For, so for those who don't know, writers go to these pitch fests. We, we pitch um, 
different projects to different people. It's kind of like speed dating uh, and stuff. And I was telling her like what was up with that. And um, her husband was Chris Lloyd, not Christopher Lloyd, the you know Doc Brown, but Chris Lloyd, who <laughs> did uh, Modern Family. He was one of the writers on Modern Family, the, one of the guys who was running that. Um, so uh, I knew she was aware uh, of the fact that I wanted to be a writer. And again, she could have just signed the stuff, you know, said goodbye, but she said, pitch it to me. She wanted to know what my pitch was, so I, I did the pitch with her. She gave some, you know, some feedback, but mainly, like, she didn't really give me money, constructive criticism type of thing so much as she hyped me up and uh, made me feel good about going in. And, uh, you know, I wish that I could have gotten her on the show, but, uh, and I believe the information is out there, uh, so it's okay. But uh, by the time that you and I were, like, doing this regularly, Andrew, uh, for the podcast, she was just not well enough. Um, voice-wise, which is probably why um, at a certain point she was replaced by Tara Strong for uh, for Harley Quinn. She just wasn't well enough uh, to do that. So, like, her being able to speak on a podcast like this just wasn't going to happen, mm. uh, unfortunately, um, from from what I had, had heard. Not directly from them, but just from people around uh, that. So um, when I got the news and uh, the report that uh, report of lung cancer, it... Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, things added up and it made sense. Um, so yeah, I didn't know her like that well, but I knew her well enough from our interactions that, you know, this was someone who um, was beloved, uh, who really wanted to give back, who was really generous. And, uh, you know, it is, it's a darker world without her. So thank you, Arlene. And uh, I thought I would have that tribute for the main show for everyone to know. Okay. Yeah. Rest in peace. I I never met her. I have no story mm -hmm. as cool as Ben's. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. It's yeah. Terrible loss. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving on to uh, Nate is the name. Uh, this comment <laughs> is for a different is a change of tone. Uh, but <laughs> Nate commented on the Spider Man three one said I heard the reason why they chose not to do this black suit for Spidey, which was all like shiny and stuff, was because the material <laughs> made it look like it came from a porno. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, thanks, Nate. <laughs> That's pretty let us, funny. Let us know if there's any information as well to verify that, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, and then this one's for you, Andrew. CKC5947. Oh, seven, man. So. I saw this one. Go ahead. Sorry. You saw this one. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, do the turtles go on a shoplifting spree at the beginning of this movie? They seem to steal a lot of stuff from various seemingly innocent shopkeepers, and I didn't notice them leaving any money. Maybe I missed it. In the next scene, they're climbing up a building with their loot against the background showing a giant screen that professes a crime spree hits New York or words to that effect. I wonder if the irony was lost on the creators. A bit like the Wonder Woman did what fiasco, which, by the way, good callback to yes. our episodes on that, something that gets rarely, gets rarely referenced in our comments section, so I appreciate that. CKC. Long, time, long time listener, it feels like, so that's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's like they just don't notice these things. Maybe it's a reflection on their own morality, but I'll stop there. Hopefully on the second watch, I will be proven wrong. Great job as always, Andrew. Indeed. Smiley face. <laughs> okay. So uh, thank you for the comment. This is awesome. And, I, and it seems like you've been listening for a while or you've just binged a shitload. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess yeah. you could just, you know, pick and choose whatever you want. But, but yeah, true, yeah, anyway. But yeah, so um, I think in this movie, it's not the same as the Wonder Woman thing. Even if they're stealing stuff, they're mutants, man. You know, they don't have a 
the whole point of the movie is like them trying to them living in the shadows and them trying to kind of get out of the shadows, right? So uh, they could just be straight up stealing shit, man. Like, how are they going to make money? Um, they're also kids. They're very, uh, they're very uh, what you call it, you know, they're teenagers. They're immature. Uh, and they, they, they do, in the movie, they do make it seem like this is their first fight when they get into their actual first fight. So they're very, <laughs> they're very green. <laughs> but yeah, um, so... Uh, yeah, dude, they're probably just stealing from people, man. And it sucks, but you know, it's just one of those things, man. They're stealing to live, dude. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's just a different situation than Wonder Woman's whole deal. Uh, because they're, they're, they're mutant people living in the sewers. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I just kind of give it a pass to be honest with you. And, you know, maybe Donnie could do something, you know, with cryptocurrency or some shit on the, on the internet and make money, but they didn't go in that direction. So they're just trying to fight to survive, you know? Uh, yeah. and that's really all it was. If you remember, bring it back to Batman, you know, Batman begins, he had to learn, you know, sometimes you got to steal to survive and that open those opening sequences. Right. Uh, you know, um, you know what I'm talking about, right, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. What he's yeah. Uh, traveling around, but before he meets Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Before he meets Ra's al Ghul, you know, so think about that. Uh, and then maybe apply that to, to this, you know, they're, they're not human. They can't find jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just how it is. So, you know, good eye on that. But I think I just don't. I just think it's fine. I think that that particular aspect of it is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. But thank you, CKC. And thanks yeah. for the uh, the callback. Yes. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. We have Patreon shout outs, including a couple new names. Hell yeah. Let's just start out with. Uh, we're going to do uh, thanks, everybody, from uh, Renee V, JPF, Devin S, Carlos R, and Jose D. Thank you guys so much. And everybody else, of course, on the board as well, including our other supporters. And we have told you about our friends here, and we would like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about listening to the Geekscape Network.